to the world of digital sound. Hey guys, how you doing? This is Ken. This is the Ken Burton Show podcast story. And this is the one that you guys have all been waiting for. And I, I've tried and I've tried. I, I can't get Heather to take part. I'm sorry, I just can't. So I'm going to have to tell the story on my own. And uh, unfortunately, you're just going to have to fill in the bits that are missing. <laughs> right, okay, chewing gum before we start. All right, I'm going to start this one off by saying some or all of this may or may not be true. All of the characters are fictional, or they might not be. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> oh, dear. Right. Okay, so, um, yeah, this, this, you know, th- th- this may be true. Some of it may be true. It may be all fabricated. I'm saying that for legal reasons. Guys, it's up to you to decide in the comments section on the video that goes up on YouTube whether or not you think this is genuine. And it's a little game we play with the regulars who listen to these. And it's it's a good game. And I, I do. I go through and I, I look at all the comments on these videos as well, which is great fun. Okay. Um, oh God, where do we start this one? Jesus, hold on. Uh, let me roughly give you a, a year. Okay, um, thinking about it, I am guessing that this was somewhere in the mid-80s, I reckon. I think it was, probably somewhere in the mid-80s. Anyway, guys, um, back in those days, we didn't have the same technology as we have now, okay? And uh, especially camcorders. Camcorders were were like the, the biggest fucking thing you'd ever seen in your life. If you look at a cameraman now standing outside somewhere with a big thing on his shoulder, that was a camcorder in the 80s. And honestly, they were big, they were red, and the only people that made them were JVC. And they took full-size videotapes in the side of them. They were just massive. I mean, you know, um, you got to remember as well, going back, I mean, uh, the whole video player was in its infancy. So... Uh, not everybody had one. Not like we have today, like everybody's got, you know, DVD players, whatever, or, you know, well, I haven't actually got a DVD player downstairs now myself. But anyway, um, back in those days, this is where we were, okay? Betamax was still around. Um, uh, VHS was taking over the world. And one or two people had started to spend a lot of money on big, big gadgets like the JVC camcorder. All right. So anyway, during the mid 80s, um, as those regular listeners will know, I used to hang around with a bunch of guys who were uh, less than savoury characters. No, that's not fair. <laughs> they were a bunch of crooks. <laughs> and so was I. Anyway, um, remember, this may or may not be true. <laughs> Anyway, um, this particular night, we were invited to um, go and have a drink with somebody who was quite high up in rank uh, of the uh, of the families that uh, kind of were around the area at the time in Coventry, and uh, we were invited to a warehouse. Um, now. We all thought that this was like the bee's knees because when something like this happened, it was usually a thank you for your, you know, kind help and service. And there were little envelopes handed out, which were always a good thing. And um, I was, you know, really pleased about going to this, you know, like, and you get to socialise as well. You didn't really get to meet the big guys that much um, in those days. And it was always, what could I liken it to now? 
would I liken it to the Godfather? No, it wasn't all that, you know. This on my day of my daughter's wedding, you asked me to... No, it's not that. It's, <laughs> it's just a bunch of guys having a drink in a warehouse. I know it sounds strange, but it's what happened. Right, uh, so we went to the warehouse, and there must have been probably about 15 or so of us. We went en masse anyway. We were at the pub first, we had a few beers, and then 9 o'clock, went off to the warehouse. Uh, as we turned up at the warehouse, I won't tell you where the warehouse was. It was in Anstey. Uh, <laughs> we turned up at the um, gates of um, the compound, right, where the warehouse is in. And uh, basically, you know, two guys stood at the gate. Um, there were very, I mean, there was a lot of people there. There was a lot of people, good name people, you know. So these guys at the gate were told um, that's they were carrying weapons for those of you, those of you not uh, equated with some of the speak. So um, anyway, they came to the window, and uh, a couple of obviously the guys knew them, you know, and they're like, "Oh, Ken, oh, my, my, you bummer," <laughs> and all this, and then they let us in. Um, and off we went, you know, into there, and we parked the car, and you know, we went onto the uh, where the warehouse was, and uh, tap 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 on the door. Again, you know, door open, guy stood there with a piece. Fucking <laughs> you know. It wasn't my first rodeo though, so you know, I kind of expected it. Anyway, we went in, and you know, there was music blaring. There were. Um, it was a bit weird really it was like somebody's living room in the middle of a warehouse but anyway there were lots of sofas around and chairs and tables and there was a bar in the corner there were um five or six girls pole dancing and you know all the rest of it and uh, they were kind of just going around dishing the drinks out and stuff and um anyway you know we said hello to a few people a couple of the guys got up and made a few speeches and uh then uh it uh, the the reason why this event was taking place i mean we didn't know but it was somebody's birthday and he was quite high up in the family although he was quite a young lad i think he was younger than i was anyway he was quite up in the up in the family but um i think was he the nephew of somebody and he'd had to he'd had to come down from manchester <coughs> i think is that right oh i can't remember this guy's backstory Something had gone wrong where he was and he had to get out of there. He may have actually been somewhere in Scotland. Anyway, um, he he was there and it was his birthday and uh, he was given his present, right? And we all stopped and it's like, you know, oh, I'd like to uh, now present um, Joey's uh, main present of the evening and it is this box. And we, we all thought, you know, it's going to be a car or it's going to be a something. And it wasn't, it was a box. So anyway, he cracks this box open. It's one of these JVC camcorders. And he gets it out and he's fucking about with it and playing and stuff. And uh, anyway, it's uh, it's going absolutely great guns. Everyone's getting pissed. Everyone's having a laugh. And, you know, they're just, you know, absolutely loving it. Everyone's just enjoying themselves. So anyway... Um, we had a great night and uh, we, we all got very pissed. There was an envelope giving out session, actually, which was rather nice. <laughs> paid, the, paid the rent for a few months. <laughs> and um, we all went back to our lives, really, not, uh, not giving much of a thought about it. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, um, we, well, I didn't, but somebody got a call and said, uh, look, such and such is going on. 
and it's you know this is going to happen and you know are you guys interested in uh, kind of backing us up you know uh, doing some kind of recce work and stuff so we were like yeah okay we don't mind that and what it was was um for some reason the one of the guys in the family had taken a shine to a set of guns that a bloke had who was uh you know, describe him as a a landowner he was he was quite well to do and i mean the these guy these guns were shotguns right now i don't know much about shotguns at all but they were absolute like antique you know worth of absolute fucking fortune shotguns and what he wanted to do this chap was rob the house get the guns and get out of there and then the guns, you know, would go to his house and, you know, never be seen again and all the rest of it. I mean, he'd never sell them or anything silly like that. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a money robbery. This was all about, you know, that. So anyway, we were asked if we would uh, help out with the recce. And, uh, you know, he's not the sort of person you say no to. Uh, so we didn't. <laughs> and um, somebody had asked if, as a personal favour to whoever, Joey could come with us because Joey is going to bring his video camera and Joey's going to film all the outside of the house and everything so that everybody could see, you know, when they plan what they're going to do, actually, you know, how to do it, what's the best way of doing it. So, you know, we, we all went out to this place. Uh, I think it was, it was midweek. It was maybe two, three o'clock in the morning and it was about five miles out of Coventry, right? And it was towards, I won't tell you exactly where it was, towards the Kenilworth area. And sure enough, you know, we turn up and uh, electric gates. Uh, the driveway, I guess, was about, I mean, you could see the house, but the driveway, I guess, was about five, six hundred yards, maybe, of uh, of beautiful tarmac drive with, um, you know, green meadows either side of it. And, it, you know, it was just lovely. And this this place had a, it didn't have a fence around it, but it had a wall around it. Uh, which was going to make things quite interesting because at the top of this wall was a wire and we could all see that there was a wire and we, we did the recce properly, you know, I mean, we're not stupid. Uh, we, we walked the perimeter of the place. We checked out, um, you know, what, what the entrance was. There were two gates um, together with the main electric gates and um you know we we kind of quickly realized that we could take one of these gates out without any problem at all so that was probably the way in and you know we tested the water with that and sure enough i mean the gate practically fell off its hinges so and then we we got inside we had a bit of a look around and uh for whatever reason and it's still to this day i have no fucking idea why but one of the guys we were with was tooled up I have absolutely no idea why he would do something like that. I mean, if we got stopped by the cops and he got caught with that, we're fucked. I mean, it's not as if we could, you know, if we get caught, if we get stopped by the cops and we're four blokes in a car, then, you know, we're four blokes in a car. You could blag it. But if you've got a piece in your pocket, we're fucked. We're all going to jail. Or at least he is. So I absolutely couldn't believe it. Anyway, we've got Joey somewhere around the main entrance the side entrance god knows where filming everything that moves right thinking he's fucking steven spielberg and um what happened next was and it happened so fucking fast i just can't get my head around it 
I've got to remember this in detail because if I miss anything out, it's going to sound like we were all pussies and we weren't. What happened was we were inside the house, uh, sorry, inside the grounds, and we were at the right-hand side. If you look at the, the house from the front, we were at the right-hand side of the house and there was an outdoor pool together with uh, <clears throat> what we could see was a door on the side of the house kind of bay windowy type thing going on and we thought well they're easily cracked so we'll go and take a better look see if there's any locks on it or anything and we can also check for alarm sensors while we're in there right so you know we we got that far i mean our, our job was not to go in and take the guns right our job was to literally recce the place and get as much detail as we could back to the people that were going to do the house so anyway we're uh kind of around the corner and there's me uh my mate with the tooled up fucking arsehole in his back bloody belt and uh joey was behind us at this point together with another one of us and you know we're we're kind of you know wrecking it out and you know people are keeping lookout and it's the usual usual story if you think any any movie that you've ever seen where they wreck your house you'll see what we were doing right i mean we weren't stupid we weren't amateurs so anyway we did this and uh we're keeping a close eye the next thing we know and it came from absolutely fucking nowhere the biggest bastard dog you have ever seen fuck me this thing was huge and it was barking its bloody head off thing is it's not as if it started barking and then ran towards us by the time we heard it barking it was next to us and fuck me i mean it it, it went for me instantly knocked me clean on my ass and uh lights went on outside this house floodlights uh lights were going on in windows and you know it was just crazy time absolutely crazy time anyway um what happened next was uh, my buddy, and I'm not going to name him, my buddy pulls his piece out of the back of his trousers and lets one off at this dog. And fuck me, what a stupid fucking thing to do. He missed the dog completely. The dog was actually on top of me. And I would swear to you that the bullet went between me and the dog. <sighs> anyway, um... So I don't know what was more frightening, really, whether or not it was this idiot having a piece that he couldn't handle or, you know, the, me being underneath a dog. It was just, it wasn't a good situation. I'd got this dog by either side of his collar, right? His face is in my face. I've got his collar with both hands right, right in front of me, trying to pull this bloody dog back. And all he's doing is growling and dripping shit all over me. He's, he's going ape. So anyway, my mate then decides it's a better idea just to lay into the dog. So he kicked it. And the dog bit his foot. And wouldn't let go. Now that gave me a chance to stand up. But unfortunately, my mate had let go of his gun. Which was... Um, lying there and I picked it up and I thought what I'm going to do is I'm going to frighten this dog away so I let off four shots because by that time it was too late he'd already fired the fucking thing 
right next to the dog's head. And the dog went ar, 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 and went off in a direction. I grabbed hold of him. His foot's bleeding Clara all over the bloody place, all over this guy's drive. Thank fuck it wasn't the days of DNA. Jesus. I've got marks all over me. I'm bleeding from God knows where. And I've grabbed him. He's grabbed me. We've run back towards the gate. Now, very sensibly, the third man in all this, not Joey, the third man, has ran to the car. So he's got in the car. He's going to get the car to us. We know this because that's the way we work. He would have had the car there with all the doors open, with the engine running, ready for us to get the fuck out of there. So when we got um, maybe 100 yards away from the gate, that's when we heard it. And I just looked around and it's this guy. And he stood there in a pair of shorts with a huge shotgun in his hand that he's just released in our direction. I didn't even realise I'd been hit. I, did, I just had no idea that I'd been hit. I was in pain with the dog. I was running through, I was running across a field, but, you know, I'd come through bushes. I'd hit bushes on the way in, on the way out. I've got my mate next to me. I didn't know what the hell was going on. I didn't even know I'd been hit, but he was firing the gun. So I thought if he lets that second barrel off, then basically I'm going to die here or get wounded and get caught, which is worse. So I had no option. I still had the gun in my hand. So I turned and shot at him. Now I clearly shot above this guy's head and I hit the brickwork next to him. And he saw that. And he ran. And it worked. And that was the best. That was the best thing that could have happened. We went diving into, back into, through the gate. I threw my mate in the back of the car. I threw myself on top of him. Joey got in the passenger seat. And fuck me, we're out of there. We were gone. Joey got dropped off. Uh, we went to see uh, our friendly dog. Um, now, in those days, we had <clears throat> we had a number of people who you could go to for various things, like um, doctors, for instance, who didn't ask any questions. Uh, and we went to go and see one of these guys. We had to make a couple of phone calls first, like to get get in to see him. But we got in to see him, and uh, he pulled nine little pellets out my back. And quite a few out of my mate's ass as well. Um, and I don't quite know how that works on a spray pattern. Don't ask me. <laughs> it just His back was fine. My ass was fine. I don't know. Maybe I was bending over. I don't know. But I had about nine pellets in this. Now, the, the, most of them had literally just punched the surface. So there was nothing, you know, there was no big deal about it. And... We were far enough away, I think, from this guy's shotgun. And maybe he missed. Maybe we just got caught by, you know, we didn't take a direct hit or whatever. I don't know about shotguns. I don't know whether at that distance, 500 yards, would he have taken our heads off? I have absolutely no idea. I don't know fuck all about shotguns. Well, I do know 
a little bit about shotguns with very short barrels, but that's another story. <laughs> so anyway, um, we got patched up. Uh, there was a phone call made to explain. There was a phone call back to say, okay, boys, look, you're fine. You've done your job. You got in, you got out. We got what we wanted. And uh, here's a nice little something, you know, in your Christmas stocking, as it were. And we said, thank you very much. And uh, that was pretty much the last we heard of it. Now, for anyone who is aware of all of the other podcast stories and, and know what happened, I basically left uh, this group of people, not voluntarily, and I left that lifestyle and went off and did my own thing uh, because I was forced to, really. And uh, that's that's another po- podcast story that you might want to go and listen to at some point. But... Um, I walked away from it and uh, a lot of years went past and didn't hear from the guys for a lot of years and then I did hear a couple of things and then, you know, it was kind of, you know, I I didn't really want to get back anywhere near that life and anyway, I'd met Heather. So, um, you know, I I wasn't very keen on on getting anywhere near back into that. I was moving forward with a career. I was in, uh, you know, I was in lower management. I was doing okay for myself, really. So anyway... It must have been probably about 1995, and uh, <laughs> I got a phone call, and it was from a guy that I had never heard of before in my life. And he basically said, I've got something you want. I said, really? He said, yeah. I got it from uh, somebody you might know. And I went, really? I went, yeah. So, because so far, mate, you sound like you're wasting my fucking time. Yeah, yeah, no, I'll tell you. So, I've got a tape. I've got a tape of you shooting at somebody whilst attempting a robbery and trying to escape. Really? So, well, it ain't me, mate, if that's what you got. Oh, yes, he said. It is definitely, without a doubt, you. And I know the other guys on the tape as well. I said, look, who the fuck are you? So it doesn't matter. What does matter is that this tape is going to cost you five grand each. <laughs> what? It's going to cost you five grand. And I will give you the four copies I've got of this tape. So you've got to be fucking joking me. No. I'm going to phone you back in two days and you're going to tell me how quickly you can get five grand out of your bank. Bye. I sat down in my uh, new house with my new life and having left that behind me for the best part of 10 years, I just went, fuck. And Heather said to me, what's wrong? And I told her, don't keep secrets. Don't keep secrets in marriage. You keep secrets from girlfriends. You don't do it in marriage. So I told her. And uh, when she'd stopped going apeshit, um, she knew that I wasn't exactly the, you know, schoolboy Cub Scout type when I was a lad, you know, that I'd been in and out a bit. Uh, She knew this. So it wasn't as if it was a massive, massive surprise to her. 
I think she was more disappointed that my past had come back to haunt us. But there wasn't really a lot I could do about that. I took the day off work following day and I made a couple of phone calls and I drove back to Coventry and I went to see someone that I hadn't seen best part of 10 years. And he took me to see Joey. Now, Joey had moved on in the world. Joey was doing all right for himself. He was uh, he was heading up part of the family business. I mean, whatever that was. Probably drugs. Uh, knowing Joey, he was a bit of a dick. Um, and Joey told us that his house had been burgled uh, about six months before. And that along with a lot of stuff from the uh, 80s, that had gone missing. Our tape. I didn't even know he'd fucking filmed us. I uh, I knew he was filming the house. I didn't realise... I didn't know he'd filmed us. And I asked him what was on the tape. And he told me. And what he described was exactly what this fucking knobhead had described when he phoned me up. So I said to Joey, we've got to get this tape back. I'm not paying this prick five grand only to have him ask for another five grand in three weeks. We've got to get it back. And Joey agreed. And then we tried to work out why these boys hadn't had a phone call either. It was just me that had had a phone call. So I'd said to the guys like, you know, he wants five grand off each of us. And Joey was looking at me as if to say, now I wonder if you're the fucker that broke into my house and you just want five grand. There wasn't a lot of trust between us, and that was a bit of a problem. Anyway, Joey, with his contacts, was tracking down who'd burgled his house, and he got it down to basically one of four people, or all four of these people. But as it stood, he hadn't done anything about it. So uh, what we agreed was that we would take a trip out and we would go and get one of these guys, take him for a wander and find out where this fucking tape was. <clears throat> I think Joey was also um, a little bit reluctant to admit some of the other stuff that had been taken as well. Uh, especially the part that he didn't bother to tell us that also this guy had had two handguns at the house. He didn't bother to say that, which was fucking nice of him, let's face it. But what we did was we took a trip out, found an old friend, not an old friend of mine. I had a, a very few friends at that time in Coventry. And in fact, it was a question of, uh, can you better wait in the car? <laughs> That's how fucking popular I was. Actually, I know the feeling at the moment. Um, but, you know, there we go. Uh, we got ourselves a car that was unmarked. We um, got ourselves some gloves. And, you know, we went off and we found one of these guys that we thought was involved in the robbery. Joey had arranged for us to go to a lockup. And we pulled up at the lockup. We got this guy out the back of the car. We'd snatched him clean off the street. And uh, we took him into the lockup. And then we started asking him about the tape. And he said he didn't know fuck all about it. 
and we didn't believe him. And so my mate, who is not as nice as I am, beat the living fuck out of him. Now, that's an understatement. That is a gross understatement. I don't think that guy's face will ever be the same shape again. Eventually, this lad coughed that it was, well, he gave us a name. And the guy whose name he'd given us was known to me because I'd met him a few times. One of the people that we used to hang around with, it was his little brother, who was no longer little, but it was his brother. That's how he fucking knew us. That's how he knew me. That's how he knew how to get hold of me. I knew it had to be something like that. So anyway, we worked out, or we found out, that this guy was basically working in a shop, an electrical shop, in a small village, not a town, small village just outside Coventry, um, not very far away from Leicester. And uh, Leicester, <laughs> Leamington, not very far away from Leamington. And the centre of this little village, it was basically just one street going through the middle of this village. <laughs> and shops on either side of it. A church, big, you know, spires and all that. What we decided was that um, I was the person to uh, go and get the tape back because it was me he'd phoned. And both of the other guys, I, th I suspect, thought that I was involved in this and therefore there was no trust there was no camaraderie there was no honor amongst thieves and um, the way the only way that I could prove you know basically that I wasn't involved was if I went in and did it myself so we knew where the guy was we knew the electrical shop and uh, I got another friend of mine, unknown to everyone else, to go and have a trip in the shop and come back out and tell me who was in there. <clears throat> and then go and do a trip in the shop later on with the excuse of, oh, yeah, I bought the wrong one, mate, and uh, go and see who was in there and see how many staff he had. Well, as it happens, he didn't. It was only him. And uh, I decided to come up with the plan. Now, I, I wrecked the place, couldn't get in through the back door. That was going to be impossible. That was locked. And it was because of, you know, obviously anything near Coventry has got big bolts on it. Well, it had big bolts on it, and uh, it was a big metal door at the back, so there's no way I could get in. I had to go in through the front door. And then I had to gamble on the fact that this guy would have had the tape with him. Because if he didn't, I'd have to take him. And uh, that could be a real problem. I, I had to do this on my own and this was the first time I had ever done anything like this without backup and I was worried about it I was seriously worried about it I'd got a new life for fuck's sake you know nice house nice wife uh, nice future nice job nice career and here I am with the past coming back to bite me in the fucking ass I just couldn't believe it anyway Heather knew about it and what she decided of her own bat was to drive the car. I came up with a plan that was effective with two people. It was short, it was sharp, 
and it was quick and it was going to be a straight in tape out car and that's where the best laid plans don't always work out um, true enough when we arrived I got a rounders bat in my uh, pocket and uh, I'd also got a hoodie on in case there were cameras dark jeans dark trainers I got a hoodie on and this rounders bat in my pocket and uh, basically Heather stops the car outside the shop there was a very little pavement there so it was just literally a, a question of um, three or four steps and I'll be in the shop chewing gum time and so that's what she did she uh, she parked up I got out I went into the shop now I did hear just as I was walking through the door of the shop a police pay a lot of attention to it um, could have been an ambulance could have been a fire truck I don't know and I walked in the shop with my hoodie down and he looked at me and said uh, can I help you and I, I said his first name and he went yeah and then I clocked him with this bat um, straight in the, the middle of his guts basically sent him doubled onto the floor and then uh, while he was lying on the floor I used the bat on him five six times and then asked him where the tape was and uh, he said it's in the bag so I literally dragged him to the back of the store and you've got to bear in mind that I'm not a violent person right I mean there is no way on this earth I could get into fisticuffs with this guy and probably win the only way that I'd even stood a chance of making sure that I didn't come out the worst of this tackle that we had was if I took him out first and the only way I can do that is you know by taking a cheap shot with a bat I, it's always been said you know when people talk about yeah I'm tougher than you you're tougher than me yeah, yeah. I've always said yeah but I'd like to see I'd like to see you stop my car at 50 miles an hour and that's always been my philosophy in life you know I can't win fights not if they're one-on-one -on -one, and not if the guy is equal whatever to me um, I know maybe I could maybe I wouldn't but I just never take the chance so I batted the fucker threw him in the back of the store and uh, he got the tape now you could tell the tape was old and it had JVC written on it I mean it was an old videotape and so I kind of thought well that must be the master but I couldn't risk it I just couldn't risk it so I said to him where's the uh, where's the copies and uh, he said there aren't any copies and I hit him with the bat and he asked again I asked again he said the same I hit him with the bat and this went on for the best part of two three minutes and um, I gave him one last chance to tell me before I was going to take his kneecap off 
Um, <laughs> at that point, he was crying. And I, uh, there was no way that he was holding out on me. So I took my tape, tucked it in the front of my belt, went to walk out the store. Put my bat in my pocket. And uh, the next thing I know, there was a massive shattering of glass. He'd thrown something, and still to this day, I don't know what it was, um, from the back of the shop at me or at the window or at whatever, just to gain some attention. And his main shop window had smashed, it had just shattered. Bits of glass all over the place, lots of people, lots of attention. And uh, I thought, fuck, kept my head down, looked towards the curb, and the car's gone. Oh my God, the car had gone. Heather um, heard the sirens and decided it might be a good idea to get the fuck out of there. <laughs> my getaway driver had basically got away without me <laughs> and I didn't know which way to turn I just didn't there were people everywhere there were people shouting there were p people coming across the road other shop owners were coming in I was trying to just for a second I actually tried to blend it people are going what happened what happened and uh, I, I don't I, I just I didn't say anything I, I just kind of joined in and went oh, what happened <laughs> And then I'd started to walk off down the street and I thought this guy has only literally got to say the guy in the hoodie and I'm going to be chased down this fucking street. <laughs> oh, God. A little way down the street, there's a right-hand turn. Leads to another road. I took it. I was going to head for gardens or sheds or anything just to get out <laughs> And then lay low for a couple of hours and then, you know, because that's what you do. And uh, then I saw Heather in the car. <laughs> she was about a hundred yards up the road, parked up. I went running towards this car, dived in it. <laughs> she took off. Oh, Jesus Christ. I tell you what, it was just... Um, incredible it was just incredible i did get another phone call i mean to say the adrenaline was running uh would be a gross understatement an absolute gross understatement i was dying on my ass i hadn't done it i hadn't been involved in anything like that for the best part of 10 years i'm getting older i'm out of shape <laughs> i couldn't even run 50 yards jesus Oh dear. I saw it all um, kicking off outside his shop when uh, when we were turning uh, at the end of that high street. And she said to Heather says to me, have you got the tape? I said, yeah, I've got the tape. She said, did you get seen? I said, no. And that was it. I was just another face in the crowd, hopefully. And I, I just, I got away. About two weeks later, I got a phone call from uh, our friend Joey, 
who wanted to know whether or not the tape had been destroyed, all copies of it. Now I'd already sent word back that it had been destroyed. And Joey, with his newfound confidence in his new role as moving up within the family, warned me very, very distinctly that if ever that tape surfaced, he would kill me, my family, and anyone that happened to be anywhere near me. And I believe he would. I had another call from my other mate, who said that uh, after I'd done him, uh, the poor bastard met with a um, bit of a nasty accident when he was in hospital as well. Uh, but that was Joey's people, not mine. I proved myself. I proved that it wasn't me that was involved. Life of crime, eh? Never pays, you know? Just never pays. And it will come back to haunt you over and over again. It's a, it's a life lesson to know that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. And if you don't think that's the case, then you're a fool. What comes around goes around, people. It just does. Just wish more people knew that without having to learn the hard way. Anyway, um, that's this podcast story. This is the one that I've been talking about for a while. This is <laughs> the getaway or the getaway driver. <laughs> it's a shame I couldn't get Heather to talk on this, you know, because, I mean, the way she tells it, it was, <laughs> it was more like, well, what do you fucking expect? There was a police siren behind me. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Right, okay, anyway... Um, what can I tell you? That's the end of this one, guys. I will qualify it by letting you know that um, all, some, or none of that may or may not be true. It is up to you, the loyal listener, to decide whether or not you think it is. And as ever, guys, please leave your comments in the comments section on the video. And I'll see you on the dark side. You all take care now. Welcome to the world of digital sound. Oh, sister.